to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. All false religion has its roots in the devil. And multitudes of people throughout every single generation have worshipped the devil through false religion, but they've done it indirectly, but they've been deceived. But we're talking about a worldwide worship of the devil where everybody understands that that's who they're worshiping. It is blatant, satanic worship. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Revelation. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 through 2 in a message titled, The Power of the Dark Side. Now, here's Pastor Brian. John is speaking, and he said, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So we just read the first two verses here, but we're going we're gonna to kind of take sort of an overview of the of the 13th chapter today, but although we just read the two verses, I want to expand to kind of look, at least in the sense of an overview, at the entire 13th chapter. And let me say this, that the chapter 13 of Revelation is to me one of the most fascinating chapters in all the Bible. I mean, it's just, in some ways, it's mind-boggling, the the things that we are told here. It's in some senses, it's, it's almost inconceivable to think that this is where the world is headed. But I think that as we look at what it says, and as we just kind of do a, a survey of where the world is today, I think we're going to see that once again, the Bible proves itself over and over again to be you know, spot on in regard to what it's saying and the time frame for the things that it's talking about. We're in so many ways, we are at the threshold of the things that are being mentioned here. And so that's going to be our approach as we come to this 13th chapter. As I said, it's a fascinating chapter. And just, just a quick overview is basically that in the days immediately preceding the return of Jesus Christ, there will be a worldwide dictatorship that is established. It it will encompass the entire planet and every person dwelling on the earth. It's going to be, as I said, a dictatorship. It's going to be led by a particular individual, and we'll see that in a moment. And, and connected with it is going to be a religion, a worldwide religion that essentially is the worship of this ruler, this, this dictator. So 
that's kind of the, the gist of the 13th chapter. But then also here in this 13th chapter, there are things that are inferred here that require advances in technology that previous generations had no means of even imagining, let alone seeing brought to pass in their days. So it's interesting because, of course, the Bible is in many senses, it's an ancient book, but yet we're gonna see it is completely up to date. It is completely current. It is completely relevant. And it spoke of things all the way back then that really could not have been implemented until the advances in knowledge that have occurred would occur. So it's, it's fascinating in the sense that you have this, this combination of ancient and, and very current at the same time. So with that as just sort of the background, let's look at what we have here. And John, he says that he's standing on the sand of the sea and he sees a beast rising up out of the sea. A beast rising up out of the sea. Now, of course, he describes the beast and it's very, uh, the description is identical to the description in chapter 12 of the dragon. So there is immediately a connection that is made between the two. But when John says he saw a beast rise up out of the sea, generally the sea in the Bible and in the book of Revelation is a reference to the Mediterranean Sea. And oftentimes the, the sea is a, a metaphor for the nations collectively. So you think of Israel as, as the land and sort of in the midst of the sea, all of the surrounding nations would be symbolized by the sea where Israel was referred to as the land. So he sees the beast rising up from the Gentile nations. Now, what he's talking about here in this first beast, and we're gonna see as we go along that there are, there's, there are actually two beasts that are spoken of here in this 13th chapter. But the first beast, this is the person that we commonly uh, refer to as the Antichrist. But we're gonna see in a moment that there, there are actually two Antichrists, that sometimes we, we miss that but that's the reality. But the first one comes forth or arises to power out of the Gentile nations. Now, in the ninth chapter of Daniel, in the 26th verse, I've shared this passage before, but let me read it to you again. In the 26th verse, it says, the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And then it goes on to talk about this prince and how the prince is going to make a covenant with the, the Jewish nation for, for one week. And in the midst of that week, he's going to break the covenant. So the connection here with the beast is that the beast rising up out of the Gentile nations, he rises up out of what is the, the revived Roman Empire. Now, for many years, there was the idea, 
and it's still held by some, the idea that there would be a, a revived Roman Empire and the Antichrist, the first beast, would come forth from that. Now, that was very dominant in the thinking of prophecy teachers back in the, the 70s and the 80s and even partway through the 90s. But as it is often the case, when the world scene changes, sometimes people go back and reevaluate their prophetic perspective on things, and then they sometimes adjust their views. And, and I'm saying all of that because of this. There is a current thought among some that the idea that there was going to be a revived Roman Empire and that the Antichrist is going to be a Gentile who's going to rise up out of that, that's been replaced in the thinking of some people by the idea that the whole thing with the, the Antichrist and so forth is going to have an Islamic root to it. And of course, that's thought because of the growing dominance in many parts of the world of Islam. I don't think that's the case. I personally reject that. I think we need to keep going back to the idea that there's a revived Roman Empire, so it's European in its base because that's where Rome was based. It's a Mediterranean Empire, but the, but the base is European. And Daniel 9.26 tells us that the prince who is to come, who is the same person as the beast we're reading about here, that the people of the prince destroy the city and the sanctuary. So this is what we know historically. We know that the Romans destroyed the city and the sanctuary in 70 AD. So the beast that's coming, who's referred to as the prince here, is going to rise up out of what was formerly the Roman Empire. Daniel and the book of Revelation both teach us that Rome has two phases. Its first phase was in full swing when the Messiah came the first time, and its second phase will be in full swing when the Messiah comes the second time. So, with all of that said, that's who we're talking about here. The beast that rises up out of the Gentile nations is the future emperor, if you will, of the future revived Roman Empire. Now, as we read on here, a couple of things that I want you to note. Notice that the beast described here, he says, now, the beast I saw was like a leopard, his feet like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon, now we know who the dragon is from our previous study. The dragon is none other than Satan himself. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So this person that's coming in the future is going to be given Satan's throne, his power and great authority. That is astounding, really, to think about it. So all of the, the power of darkness is going to be invested in this one person. Now, as you look at this, you see that the, the person here, the beast, is a human being on the one hand, but there's also a, a spirit that is possessing the person because the beast comes up out of the bottomless pit. And so what we have here is a, a person who is fully 
given over to Satan, fully possessed by the devil. That's the picture that we have here. And so the dragon gives him his throne. And then a very fascinating thing here, verse three, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him? Now, this... (laughs) This is difficult stuff. This is not easy to understand, you know, exactly what, what's being referred to here. Now, some people look at this and see that there is uh, an assassination attempt on this future Antichrist, and he apparently receives a mortal wound, but then he re- recovers from it. And some see in that kind of a a parallel to Christ. Remember, the Antichrist is a false Christ. He's he's instead of Christ. And so some see it as uh, just as Jesus has a death and a resurrection. So here is a, a false death and resurrection. So some see it that way. Others say, no, no, that's, that's not what it is. Uh, the beast here is, is referring to the empire, not to the individual. And so with the, the mortal wound, that's when, uh, that's when the Roman Empire seemingly died, but then the empire is going to come back in the future. That will be the mortal wound that's healed. That will be the resurrection. So the question is, which one is it? And the answer is, who knows? I don't know. But I think, I personally think it's the individual rather than the empire because it, the the way it's speaking, it's speaking of, 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 of the person here rather than, I think, the empire. But think about this for a moment. So we're talking about this, this future world ruler that's going to come, and there's going to be an, an attempt to assassinate him, apparently. He's going to receive a mortal wound, but, he, but he's going to be healed. And everybody's going to understand that all of this is connected to the dragon who is Satan and the whole world is going to worship the dragon who gives power to the beast. Now, this is the thing to me that is absolutely astounding, that the world is going to worship the devil knowingly, blatantly, not indirectly as the world has worshiped the devil, You know, all false religion has its roots in the devil. And multitudes of people throughout every single generation have worshiped the devil through false religion, but they've done it indirectly. They haven't necessarily thought of themselves as worshiping the devil. They've been thinking they're worshiping God, but they've been deceived. But we're talking about a worldwide worship of the devil where everybody understands that that's who they're worshiping. It is blatant satanic worship. That is where this is all headed. And so when you look at that, it just becomes absolutely astounding. And so the question then is, after there is this whatever it is that takes place, this seeming resurrection, this, this healing, this restoration, the question is, who is like the beast 
and who is able to make war with him. So he seems to be now invincible, unconquerable. And so the world is now following after and worshiping. And so then it goes on to, to tell us a little bit more about him. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. That's the three and a half year period that we've been seeing mentioned here. Uh, then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So now we move to another beast. And this is something that we need to understand because I don't think that we do understand this generally. We talk about the Antichrist singular. The Bible actually teaches that there are two Antichrists. So there's not just one person that's coming. There are two that are coming, and they are working in unison with the devil himself. And now it's the second one that we're told about here. And notice what it says in verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. So the same authority, the same power as the first beast. And he, the second beast, causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And now look at verse 15. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So the second beast. Now, as we saw, the first beast rises up out of the sea out of the Gentile nations, the revived Roman Empire. But notice, this second beast comes forth out of the earth or the land. The land, most of the time, and I think here specifically, is a reference to the land of Israel. The second beast rises up from out of the nation of Israel itself. And in actuality, the Antichrist is really more the second beast than the first. You see, the first beast is primarily a political ruler, although there are obviously spiritual overtones to all of that. But the second beast is specifically a spiritual ruler. And if we understand that there are two beasts, we understand that one is a Gentile, the other rises up out of the Jewish nation. This helps us to make sense out of some of the prophetic passages that have been a bit 
perplexing. And I want to show you that in, in just a second. But notice here, uh, he has uh, horns like a lamb, so looks like a lamb, speaks like a dragon. So we've heard of the wolf in sheep's clothing. Well, this is the dragon in sheep's clothing. This is the, the devil who appears to be a, a prophet and later the book of Revelation is going to specifically refer to the second beast as the false prophet. So he becomes known from this point forward as the false prophet. And, and all the way through the rest of the book of, Re of Revelation, you have the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. But they're both designated as beast. And remember, these are ferocious beasts, and that's because what they do is they destroy. That's their ultimate goal and objective. But as we look at this false prophet, he exercises all the authority of the first beast. He causes all to worship, and he does so by the performance of miracles. And it's mentioned here that he has power to shut up heaven. Remember, the two witnesses had that same power, but they were, they're, they're gone from the scene. They were there the first three and a half years. This is the second three and a half years. And, uh, but Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, when he's talking about the same thing there, he talks about the son of perdition. That's his term for the beast. And he talks about there in the context, he's talking about how uh, he will go into the temple of God. He will show himself to be God. He will demand to be worshiped as God. And Paul uses these terms, with all power and signs and lying wonders. So the way that the second beast is going to move the people of the world to worship the first beast is through these lying wonders, these miraculous powers that he is going to have the ability to exercise power even to grant life to the image that is going to be made. Now, this is where it just gets absolutely, you know, just weird, just bizarre. But as we're going to see in a few minutes, it's as, as much as, you know, 50 years ago and, and anywhere beyond that, this just seemed like pure science fiction you know, we are living in a time where all of this stuff is becoming more and more, you, you can see it now. You can see the potential for it. And we'll get to that in a moment. But let's go back to just this understanding of the false prophet. So like I said, we mistakenly speak of the Antichrist singular. We have to understand there are two. Now, the first one, as I said, is primarily a political leader. The second one is primarily a spiritual leader. One of them is a Gentile, the other is a Jew. And this is where the confusion is cleared up. The book of Revelation uh, clears up some things that are said earlier back in the Old Testament that have led to some confusion. Now, I don't know how versed you are in prophecy, how much you've studied this over the years. join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. Have I got a book for you. The book is entitled The God 
I won't believe in, facing nine common barriers to embracing Christianity. And this book is written by a good friend of mine named Nick Cady. And in the book, Nick deals with topics like a God who hasn't proven his existence, a God who creates hateful, hypocritical followers, a God who says some love is wrong. And Nick really tackles these from just, a, I think, a brilliant point of view, of course, going back to Scripture and showing that there are good biblical answers to all of these objections. So I want to recommend and I highly recommend Nick Cady's book, The God I Won't Believe In. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The God I Won't Believe In by Nick Cady. You can order the book, The God I Won't Believe In, by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the Donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The God I Won't Believe In by Nick Cady, to help you wrestle with the common cultural barriers to embracing Christianity. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Revelation. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.